you renounce the devil and all his works, the vain and the vain pomp and glory of the world and all sinful lusts of the flesh. Well, <laughs> welcome to Curious Church Podcast. Friends, did that hook you in or what? We, we can delete that, but I had that written down as the key phrase oh, this, for our conversation. Yeah, what a great key phrase. I think you should do it again. Do you renounce the devil and all his works, the vain pomp and glory of the world, and all sinful lusts of the flesh? It's a big question. Can I think about it? Yeah, <laughs> give us some thought. We'll come back to you at the end. I don't think maybe is what they're looking for. <laughs> Uh, friends, welcome back to another episode of our Curious uh, Conversation. We're talking about, uh, well, we're asking, why was I baptized? Why were you baptized? And, uh, well, yeah, sort of a, something we can continue to ponder. I, I stand by my three possible answers. Yeah. I wasn't. I don't know. <laughs> or I know. <laughs> or I'm good. I'm uh, good. Skipping this skips, episode. Yeah, skipping this episode. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I love, I really do think that these conversations are all different angles at getting at that question in yeah. some way. And so I love our first conversation talking about the invitation into a bigger script. Yes. And now as we continue with Kevin's book, yes. Living Underwater. Yes, continuing with Kevin's book, um, uh, chapter four. Hopefully uh, you've read it. And I think this is the point in the podcast where we take a break and let people just uh, just read it real quick. So we'll just pause right here. What if we inserted enough time in the episode <laughs> for someone to read it? It's just like 30 minutes of silence. Uh, so now that you've read it, you know, it's 13 pages. You know, you can do this, folks. I don't know why I'm getting <laughs> sort, of, <laughs> sort of aggressive rah, rah. about Be it. Encouraging. But, Be but encouraging. But I'm, uh, yeah, I, I believe, I, you know, this is, uh, this is worth your time. I really do believe it. And not just because I consider Kevin a friend and a, uh, uh, affable, talented writer. Affable. Wow. Affable. Yeah, I love that. I felt like saying affable. I mean, it's true. It's poetic. It doesn't have anything to do with his writing, but it's, it's, it is well written. And uh, so if you haven't picked it up by now, please do. We should say, uh, listeners, we are also joined by Kevin. He's yeah. back. He's back. Hey, it's yeah. great to be with you guys. Back. Welcome back Kevin's again. Back. There's no one else. There's, there is literally. Sometimes we say this and it's like, <laughs> is there? You might think, but there is literally no one else we would want to be sitting here talking about your book with than you. Yes. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah, this really. I appreciate it. It's a kind of. It's a privilege. It, really, yeah, it really it is. is. Okay. Again, I know I'm mostly sarcastic, but I am grateful. <laughs> Do we have a jingle for like Aaron's sincerity or something? Right, you know, insert it. Sincerity meter. Be sincere. <laughs> Put that guy with the ukulele. He's got some talent right there. Yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, let's 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 jump in because this is a juicy one. Juicy is right. So yeah, this is chapter four. It's titled Renouncing Evil. Uh, you maybe heard the key phrase, uh, which is this kind of liturgical phrase of baptism. Kevin, of course, though, is going to open open with stories again. Open with story. Uh, so if you're curious about the commonality between, oh, brother, where art thou and the Godfather? Maybe we'll, we'll circle back <laughs> around to that. But you can read that in the opening Both pages of this chapter. But uh, you point to this key, or Kevin points to this key liturgical phrase. Do you renounce the devil and all his works, the vain pomp and glory of the world, and all sinful lusts of the flesh? 
And the rest of the chapter is kind of exploring kind of what in the world does that mean? Yeah. So this is has been for centuries uh, an integral part of one's baptism, right? Yeah, so right. this would be part of the uh, part of the the liturgy of the person being baptized is you would answer in the affirmative that you renounce Satan in all his ways. Yeah, my understanding is this was common to all baptism forms already by the second century. Oh, wow. So yeah. there's some uh, variations that go on, but you're not talking very long after Christ where you're saying this is, this is quote-unquote standard practice. Yeah. What does the devil have to do with baptism? Whoa. All right. <laughs> Boom, let's go. <laughs> like, what is he doing in there? Mm. That would be, I mean, the devil's kind question. of a bummer. I don't know why we're bringing him into baptism. Baptism is about white dresses and sprinklings. Yeah, why the, why the devil? Why the devil? Why, why the, the devil, devil is the devil? <laughs> why the devil? Well, we, we, I mean, I instinctively turn to, to our friend in the room. Yeah. Reverend Dr. Kevin Adams. I mean, I kind of was thinking that he might have some thoughts, too. Yeah, well, I've got some thoughts based on uh, other people's thoughts. Those are most oh, of my okay. thoughts, That's right? That's good. That's good. But historically, Christians have thought that the devil is part of the renouncing, like his schemes, his pomps, his ways, his temptations. Um, baptism is symbolically and literally turning away from one life and one set of circumstances and one ideology, one script we talked about last oh, yeah. time, mm -hmm. and turning towards a new way of living. So in the Greek Orthodox Church, well, since the second century and still today, as literal part of your baptism, you would turn and spit in the direction you're leaving, <laughs> and then you would go toward the direction you want to go with being anointed, being uh, sometimes putting on fresh clothes symbolically. My friend, uh, Father Chris Flosaurus, is an Orthodox priest, and he says sometimes people get silly or giddy or kind of they think the spitting thing is just kind of a bunch of nonsense, mm. but he takes it with utmost seriousness. And I think so should all of us, really, to say this, I'm, I'm leaving this way, I'm leaving this life, and the devil is part of, you know, his tricks and schemes. Historically, uh, people had their own list of what those were in great mm -hmm. detail, as there's people who love detail and love to kind of sketch it all out, mm -hmm. and they did that. Uh, but um, his ways are part of that leaving, part of that rejecting, yeah. Yeah. I've, I've also heard, oh, I think I've heard this anyway, that uh, that kind of liturgical phrase that you're renouncing the devil and his works, the sort of glories of the world and the sinful lusts of the flesh are kind of like a counter trinity. Have you heard this before? Uh, I'm, now I'm worried I'm making it up. Mm, this but does there, sound like it's it could like be. The, the triple of it becomes like stands against sort of the turning to Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that's happening in our baptism. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, the, anyway. Note to editor, please cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. We that talked about math interesting. last episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How much, more math yeah, here. Right, math right, is interesting. Right. Um, yeah, one of the things going again to your question, why the devil are we talking about the devil? Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, Kevin, the book, and there's so much to think about here, but one of the things you're drawing on uh, Alexander Schmemann, Schmemann? Schmemann, yeah. Schmemann. As I understand it, yeah. Schmemann, Schmemann, Schmemann works for me. Um, but you, you say maybe we prefer to think of evil as less personal, but Schmemann warns, quote, behind the dark and irrational presence of evil, there must be a person or persons. 
There must exist a personal world of those who have chosen to hate God, to hate light, to be against. And for naming such realities, words are frustratingly insufficient. Um, I like kind of had to stop and sit with that whole section. Like the personal, I like it's nice for me to think of evil as abstract. Right. If this makes mm-hmm. sense, like it, sure. it's kind of something bad-ish. And often when I think about it, it's bad-ishness out there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think what you're one of the things, one of the thrusts of this chapter is it's out there, but we also need to be aware that there's, to renounce it is to renounce something concrete, right? Not, not merely sort of abstract kind of thing, because I mean, it's concrete within us. It's concrete around us. Um, and you kind of, the, the latter half of the chapter, it, you start exploring what are the pumps of the devil, so right. to speak, that these different people have labeled everyone from sort of the ancient church to, you know, a seventies group. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so people to speak. Today. What are, what are their, what are their pumps? Uh, what do they identify, sorry, as, as sort of the pumps, the works of the devil. And, um, I just thought, oh, there's something so concrete that you're calling us to in this chapter and that baptism helps us renounce, which is really helpful. And maybe that's partly, maybe that's my stab at kind of answering why is like part, part of the reason to talk about the devil is because, uh, it's a weird way to say that he helps us, but he's not helping us here, but (laughs) that framing helps us remember that what we're renouncing is not an abstract idea of just, oh, like, okay, I like I won't do some of those things, but no, like we need to concretely think about what does this new script invite us into and what does right. it invite us to turn away from? Um, I don't know. Yeah. I like that. I like that too. I mean, it, it, I'm, I'm with you in that evil has become sort of an abstract uh, concept, but if we, as at our baptism are renouncing evil, I feel like that evil is sort of a shorthand for, I mean, some of the examples you have in your book for for injustice, for yeah. corruption, for you know poverty, for the ills of uh, a broken world. Yeah, and um, we could. I mean, that list could sort of go on infinitely. But um, at, at a yeah, so I, I can see why that would be part of an important part of a baptism form. And even that, it strikes me, um, like it's so easy for even like those kind of labels, injustice, poverty, to also become abstract. And then when I think about baptism, like, well, it's easy for baptism to be abstract, honestly. Sure. Uh, but like, I think the way that Ke- Kevin, you're inviting us into is so concrete. Like we are, we are turning to a concrete new story. We are turning to a concrete God who makes concrete promises. And so in just the same way, we are turning from abstract evil. So we are renouncing, uh, not, not just injustice, but we are renouncing the ways that we participate in injustice, the ways that... We are renouncing the ways that we spend money contributes to an oppressed worker in South America. We are like, you know what I mean? Like I I find the invitation to start thinking about this concretely helps me begin to think about what does it mean to actually renounce the thing? Well, I was wondering that too. So Kevin, we got this. (laughs) (laughs) I love listening to you two talk. So let's go for it. Well, this is where we just get, we get far enough along and we get deep enough into something that's wrong. And then Kevin, (laughs) what if we thought about it this way? Give us a two sentence correction and we all sheepishly (laughs) hang our heads. But I do, it makes me think about what the word renounce means because it's, we're not saying we promise to never participate in this again, because that's sort of an, impossible impossibility the renounce maybe means is it a recognition like we recognize and i mean what's what what are the words for it like we recognize Mm. that there is evil we know that it's wrong 
I think that's great, Aaron. It's like we, we recognize evil and we are not neutral on it. We are passionately, passionately and personally and uh, completely against it. Mm. Yes. We will not sit idly by while someone, while someone else gets, oppre- gets oppressed or gets taken advantage of by evil. We will not do that. Now, the church historically has mm-hmm. uh, sometimes done that. For that, we are deeply yeah. sorry. But uh, that's, the, that's the importance of having that old uh, phrase in the baptismal liturgy. It says from the beginning, hey, fam- folks, hey, new to the church family, this is what we do. This is who we are. Mm. And you need to be against this with us who are against it. Yeah. This to me is so helpful. So going back to the last episode, I was talking about my struggle to kind of grapple with the event of baptism as something that's expansive, right? Mm-hmm. But I think, I don't know whether I'm having an epiphany or whether I'm translating something that Oh, I love an epiphany. The... <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> but this feels like exactly, like exactly how, or a way to frame like how we live into our baptism yeah. constantly. In other yeah. words, exactly what you're saying. It's it's the fullness of the recognition and the fullness of the naming is happening in our baptism. Yet we know, just the reality is, we know that we're still going to participate in some ways. We're still going to sin in some ways. So the renunciation is something that we are actually being invited to live out yeah. over and over and over. You talk about that. I mean, we encourage people to read the whole book, right? And in chapter three, you talk about the ways that repentance is still an ongoing part of our life and that ba- baptism contains repentance and it invites us into this constantly. Um, and it just seems like, yeah, this is, uh, yeah, for whatever reason, I'm like, yes, this is it. This is, it. This, is living it. this is why baptism becomes something that gets lived out and isn't just an event is because um, it, and not just kind of a one and done and like, great now, because just the reality of our lives. And so we're constantly invited back to these things. We're invited to kind of an ongoing renunciation, even as, there's been kind of a moment of recognition, right. so to speak, on maybe on our behalf even by our parents, if we're baptized as children or kind of, as we've said, as we step into the waters. Yeah. All good. right. Well, I'm, I I'm was, fired up. Kevin, yeah, I'm good. glad we were That's here good. for this, aren't you? <laughs> I am totally. <laughs> in, in some ways, I think um, this was a really compelling idea, Kevin, again, that you mentioned last episode, kind of toward the end, but having baptism be our like your first act of obedience as uh as a follower mm. of christ and even in, in my case i guess it would be my parents first act right. of obedient obedience right um, sort of on my behalf but still the first act of your faith like you were brought in you were placed in the streams of grace yeah and you stay in those streams you can opt out but you're you're put in the community of grace and you're kept there right right but part of that means I'm living out my renouncing. Right. I'd be curious to know if that Our was actually part passion. of my yeah. baptism in 1978. And yet, like, that, that's kind of interesting, right? Because what, what does the liturgy contain is kind of interesting. I know, I'm 90% sure I did not renounce you know, Satan, Satan and all his pomps. Yeah, sure I can tell. In my, <laughs> in my Epping Church of Christ baptism, which I, I love and am grateful for, that wasn't part of our liturgy. Sure. And yet, um, because baptism is participating in something bigger and something greater than me or even that con- like that moment, yeah. it strikes me, yeah, no, that, that's still, that's still it, it's just, it is part of it, right? right. Whether we have said those words ex- like in that way, whether we participate in that specific liturgy or not, like that, this is what baptism is, uh, kind of at its heart. 
That is one of those places where you think, uh, wouldn't it be great if there was some, I say uniformity, it sounds overly scripted to go back to the last episode, but wouldn't it be if we had some meeting of the minds and said, what if everyone, Baptists and Lutherans, Catholics and Orthodox, included this in the script following our mothers and fathers from the second century? Mm-hmm. That Wouldn't that be a step towards oneness? Yeah. And couldn't we agree that we all renounce Satan in all his ways? I think we could agree on that. It should be a stretch. It <laughs> shouldn't be a long conversation. Yeah. The exact wording, you know, just because you get theologians in the room could take yeah. a while. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, right? But it seems like this is one of, the reason it's been around forever is because it is fundamental and core and essential yeah. to, the, to the practice, whether it's to the liturgy or not. It's a different thing. But why not have that match up? Now, that said, you mentioned in your book that um, not too long ago, some major denominations have removed that, or maybe it's been an an ongoing process over the years. I don't know. Yeah, and I think of C.S. Lewis, you know, in his um, opening, his introduction to the Screwtape Letters, he said there are two uh, problems he can see with talking about Satan. One is you see Satan and the devil behind every bush, Mm -hmm. and the other is you don't see him at all. And it's easy in the age of enlightenment when we're sort of beyond personal evil. We're sort of beyond uh, thinking devil, you know, with a pitchfork and pointed ears and a red tail and those sorts of things. Quaint. It feels quaint. It feels like uh, uh, something we've given up because we're past that. But then you meet someone. I I have a friend who's a pastor who's on his way to Thailand. He was sitting next to someone on the plane, and they started talking and. Uh, the guy asked, why are you uh, going to Thailand? Well, they're going to build missions, and they're trying to save people out of sexual slavery. And then he st- this man got red-faced, and um, he said, well, now I really feel bad, because he was going not to save people from that, but to participate in that. Mm. And yeah, you have someone who's keeping uh, young men and women in bondage, and it mm. feels personal. This is not just some abstract right. idea. It's, sure. it's personal. You have someone who... Uh, is doing gang mayhem in Mexico, let's say, or some other place. And there are structural, uh, systemic issues. There's long-term economics, things at work. There's all kinds of political, social history going on. But there's also kind of a personalness when someone uh, shames or, or right. belittles or uh, abuses or, or literally beats someone up. So they're e- evil. Yeah, it is systemic for yeah. sure, but it's also personal on some level. And it's good for us to remember that sometimes. Not fun to remember. but Not pleasant to remember, but as part of a a multi-part baptismal liturgy to say, okay, we're turning from that, and then we're going towards uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, those sorts of virtue lists that Paul talks about regularly. I know it seemed like I was going to say something, but I was just, uh, yeah, I I found that really, really compelling. This is sort of a behind-the-scenes question, but I'm just curious in your own experience of writing this chapter, but also just in your own experience with baptism. Is this language something that's always been kind of dear to you and a part of how you think about baptism? Or was there a point where you're like, oh, like, I mean, I, yeah. I asked partly because this, uh, this chapter feels revelatory to me. And I'm wondering sure. if you ever had, like, if that this was just baked in kind of to your understanding? Yeah. Or? Um... It was not a historic part of the Reformed liturgy that I grew up with, sort of that wider liturgy. And when we came to Grant Springs, as you know from the book, uh, The Gospel and the Handshake and other things, we did a, we started in a way that was uh, kind of thought there was some advantage in terms of reaching people to leave some of these historic practices. So we didn't adopt these right away. This would be on that list of things we didn't adopt right away. 
I would say it scares, it's, scares people. It scares away. people away because yeah. now we're talking about Satan. We're, we can barely talk about Jesus in a serious <laughs> way, and now you you really believe that stuff? I mean, that just takes mo- that sure. takes a lot of conversations. Sure. And, uh, and st- I don't want to interrupt your flow, no, but right. there's this. There was um, just kind of culturally this obsession with. Um, with, with the devil. Do you remember like there's that well, that Carmen song and it, there's a lot of like demon. Uh, do you remember this? Like yeah, uh, I don't know. I, I think maybe I'm thinking sort of my that is the devil context. behind every bush kind of yeah folks. exactly. Yeah, yeah. And it was almost um, sort of as Granite Springs was growing, almost a reaction right to that right like kind of pendulum swinging way the right. other way. Well, I mentioned Father Christopher Soros last episode. I'll mention him again this episode. I probably uh-huh. will in the next two episodes as well. But my friend uh, Chris who's an Orthodox, Greek Orthodox priest, start hanging around him and uh, you you find the, these old ways pretty interesting and pretty worthwhile thinking about. I mean, there's a reason they still do these things. They're not doing these yeah. things without any kind of, for just uh, the, 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 un, the incorrect, uh, unfair wording is, oh, they're just doing things out of ritual. Well, then you mm-hmm. find out the ritual's there because there's reality behind it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that, that helped me make my turn. He helped me convert yeah, me to yeah. some of these old ways. Yeah. Sure. Father sure. Chris has been uh, a guest on this podcast. Yes, this very podcast. Talking about Lent. Had yes. very little patience for our nonsense. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but extremely good-hearted the but whole way through. Exactly right. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, that's helpful. I, uh, you guys mentioned uh, Jesus and talking about Jesus. We did. We mention him Jesus. often. <laughs> <laughs> you actually don't quite open the chapter, but pretty early you... Take a take a turn to Jesus uh, in uh, where you talk about his baptism. Oh right, sure. Uh, and the fact that immediately after his baptism, he's he's ekbalain, the Greek verb you have here. He's thrown out, so to speak, into the wilderness mm. to confront evil himself. Mm. Uh, far from being simply a quaint traditional naming rite, you you write baptism is a matter of life and death, and it's as if this moment is pointing to the, the sort of cosmic significance. Right of what's going on. But as I read that, I was struck by a contrast between this kind of liturgical placement and then Jesus' own baptism. I don't know whether there's something here, but I was curious about reflecting on it with you. So with Jesus' baptism, he's baptized, and then he goes to confront evil successfully, confronts the devil and, and, and the world, and uh, it's, it's vainglory, so to speak. Uh, in our baptism, we renounce before being baptized. Uh, and I wondered if yeah, I wonder if you thought there was anything there to the contrast, whether odd, like, don't get hung up on the order. It's like you and numbers, Matt. Just calm down. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to toss, 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 toss that out there and see if there's anything. Well, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting, Matt. I think it's interesting to look at the Bible that way and to see what's there and what's not there. What strikes me is um, our baptisms always follow Jesus' baptisms, of course, and so his is the model. It's, it, whenever something's in all four Gospels, I think it's worth taking note. It's worth taking note if it's not, for sure, as well. But his baptism is a key part of all four Gospels. It's almost like the church said we should think about this regularly, and uh, we've begun to do that here uh, following the historic church practice. Yeah, it's interesting. So we do renounce Satan like Jesus, who has gone before us, for sure. And I think it's interesting in the baptism, right? We, the assumption is we're renouncing Satan right then, but it's really a way to say we are now going to live a life of renouncing Satan. Mm. Um, so there is kind of backwards and forwards, yeah? It's yeah. not like it's just done now, and you weren't saying that, obviously. Right. 
but it's a uh, it's continuing or accenting or giving weight to a life that does yeah uh, renounce him one of the things I was thinking about maybe to tease out my own thinking with this question a little bit more might be helpful is um, the fact that we we do it as we come to baptism is almost pre- it's like predicated on the fact that Jesus is successful. Does this make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, that's like a good place um, to go. In other words, like our particular kind of the commissioning of our baptism is not to go and independently fight evil. Right, right. You know, like right. and like okay, now mm, here we go. Right. We're on we're the hero now. We're on behalf of the right. world. Right. Like actually like Which some of those songs that you were mentioning makes us feel yeah, that way. We're the yeah, hero yeah. is gonna stamp out right. evil. Right. So literally that is part of Jesus's right. kind of commissioning in his baptism. You are, you are the beloved. Now go on behalf of the world. Yeah. Uh and both show them the way, but also do this kind of in some remarkable way on behalf of God's people. And so we then like part of my thinking was, okay. We're, we are renouncing evil in this ongoing way. That's part of living out our baptism. But also, we're not doing that on our own. Like, our baptism isn't yeah, sort of our nice. power-up moment. Sort of, it's, not, it's not, you know, Mario's mushroom, so to speak. <laughs> and now we're going to go out, like, <laughs> right. super-sized and beat down the bad guys. Uh, instead, it's like, okay, we do, this, we do this ahead of time because it's already been done for us definitively by yeah. Jesus. And now, now we're going to live that out in all kinds of ways. But we don't have to be the hero of our story either. Right. It's not our, that's not the script we're implying. The script is not with us at the center, yeah, yeah. right? And then this uh, three-part uh, section of the book, echoing the ancient um, liturgy, uh, is worth accenting too, right? Mm. So there's renouncing, and then there's anointing, and then there's living uh, with your new baptismal clothes. Symbolically, this would all happen. Yeah. The, the way this has happened over the centuries changed from place to place, but usually there would be renouncing, then you'd be baptized, then you'd be anointed. Sometimes you were anointed before, but then you'd be anointed symbolically that you're participating in this calling with Jesus, following in his footsteps. And then you get your clothes as a way to symbolize you are now this new person. So hmm. quite, it's quite an interesting way to say these are historic, long-standing, uh, time-tested practices of the church that breathe life and help us know what we're doing. And then, of course, it's not you're baptized once. But then someone you know gets baptized and someone up the street gets baptized mm-hmm. and someone else gets baptized. So this quote-unquote ritual, this remembering, this participating in gets rehearsed and repeated so you remember again every single time whose you are and who you are, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe this just goes again to kind of what I was talking about earlier in terms of living out our baptism. Is I was struck, we know, we know the story of your baptism from the first chapter where you share it. And so we know that you didn't renounce the specific things that you renounce in this chapter, right? Like, uh, as a child, you wouldn't have renounced narcissistic church leaders. (laughs) But now... Staring at the domini, the old (laughs) preacher who is... Yeah. But um, but, so I'm just kind of interested in the ways that also... Like, there almost felt to me as I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about the ways that uh, the, the pomps that... Uh, of the devil that people might identify grow, that there's a sense in which our baptism almost grows as well. Like it, it expands. I don't know if that makes sense as an image, but um, rather than sort of something static that we live into, like it, it actually like... <laughs> I like that I don't know why. Right? I think of it as like a sourdough starter or something. Like it, it's oh, okay. bubbling up, kind of like it, it's, it's alive nice. for right. us. Yeah, yeah. Right? yeah does, that, does that make sense? Maybe not. It is. <laughs> Instead of water as an as an image, it could be bubbling dough. Bubbling dough. <laughs> Maybe just a bubbling spring is the way to, to stay. Right? Living with yeast could be the new <laughs> name of it. Could be. 
Huh. But but does that feel true? Like part of our renouncing is actually almost like sometimes learning new things that we need to renounce? Yeah, because we don't uh, know it all ahead of time. We we maybe should. Like you think about the emphasis on anti-racism now. Yeah. Well, this is not a new issue. This is not a new problem. This has been going on since Greek and Jew in the first century. So right. you would think the church would have something to say that would be clear and cohesive and well put together. And we do in some places, you know. But um, every generation, really, I think literally every generation has to renounce it again mm. in its own way and in its own era. And, um, yeah, I think baptism helps remember that some of these, some of these things are, are, are difficult and painful and um, are, not, are not easily dealt with. We talked before about the personal kind of-ness of it, but there's also systemicness of it. It's, a, it's a really a both-and thing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a broad, there's a lot that we have to renounce. There's a lot that we have to renounce. At one point, I, I, I thought it was fast. I thought it was interesting, so I included it in the book, and you get to judge whether you think it's interesting. Um, but there's this old um, confession. Well, it's old now. It's not as old as the ones from the 1500s, but it's from the 1970s. It's called Our World Belongs to God. It's quite a beautiful document, well-worded, very insightful. Yeah. But they, are, they don't use the phrase, we're renouncing this, and yet they talk about things they renounce. And I thought, these are my people. When they renounce those mm. things, I thought, these are the things I also want to renounce. Yeah. And I think there was wins in the 70s where they were trying to give clear articulation to things that historically have been renounced, but that also at that moment needs to be renounced. And I thought, yeah, that's the work of the church, right? Mm. Rather than to, because there's a chapter that's coming on racism and uh, how a church just changed the liturgy mm. to make racism work. What a contrast to say, I renounce Satan in all his ways. It's, that's where we're supposed to be, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I see, we talked about this uh, a while back, but the, again, the idea of the sacrament of Eucharist being a continual, like a weekly reminder of where we stand on sin as Christ followers. This is, right? this is where we stand on sin. <laughs> yeah. Exactly right. In a, maybe in a slightly uh, subtler way, but... Um, yeah, I like, yeah, I like the idea of it. Uh, your baptism allows you sort of big picture to make that renouncement quite specifically, hopefully, and uh, yeah. and having Eucharist be, yeah, a daily, daily, a weekly reminder of where your place in that story is. One of the flip sides of having all these people, you list these people and naming what they would name. Uh, is that there's also things that they wouldn't name or they don't name. Uh, I don't mean that as a negative thing, but just in the reality of we're always going to miss right. some part of the evil mm-hmm. of the world, whether because of our own blind spots or our own cultural context. So one of the things that this reminds me of is the value, again, that baptism is a corporate. Right. It's, not, it's not, again, just about, oh, nice, I, I got baptized, and now I renounce the things that I thought I was going to deal with, but it's always broader. So you talk about... David Bailey and his love for Frederick Douglass. Um, yeah, that's in, a good example. Chapter. And, you know, you talk about the things that they would renounce, right, are to go exactly to what you were talking about, racism, injustice, empty promises, complicity, betrayal. It's like for all of us who might, who might be learning or discovering or whatever that looks like, that, oh, yes, we should be renouncing those things. Part of baptism is something that belongs to God's people as opposed right. to an individual is a reminder that, Oh, here's people to help us renounce those things. Like we learn from each other's renouncing in some ways. Absolutely, so it seems like 
and and that's the beauty I thought of this. Our world belongs to God. It was a, it was it was specific to the seventies, eighties, and yet it was not. It was uh, yeah, part yeah. of the global church, right. and it wasn't just the well, I don't even know how many eight or twelve people who were writing that document, but it was them for all of us giving voice to what we need to renounce as well, um, and want to renounce. I think too. I mean, one of the hopes of this book on baptism, I try to tell stories from across the globe and across mm. church history, right? Because one of the things, to your point, Matt, about wanting to renounce things that we we sometimes pull the wool over our own eyes. We're mm. wonderful. The heart is deceitful above all things, yeah, Jeremiah right. says, right? So we can pull the wool over our own eyes. And yet having brothers and sisters from around the world say, hey, this this that we see in your culture needs to be renounced is really helpful and it reminds us our baptism is global. It's global as well as personal and local, right? Yeah. I mean, it's easy to imagine, right, somebody in Africa uh, or someone in South America pointing to the United States and saying, here are three or four things that we think as Christians, you really need to uh, renounce and let go. And Mm -hmm. it's easy maybe going the other direction as well. Yeah, that's fascinating. When you think about, um, you hear about other countries, right, sending missionaries, to the United States, right. (laughs) Yeah, it feels insulting somehow. And part of that is, right, because uh, Christians in other countries are saying, those people need to do some renouncing. Right. Like, they need Jesus. Well, and idolatry is slippery, right? So we don't see or know often the idols we have. And that's part of what we talked about last time with the script. Our particular generation, our particular zip code has its own favorite idols, I think, or own Mm. favorite uh, attachments, we'll say. And uh, we want to renounce them. And sometimes we need an outside voice to help us, sometimes called prophets or just yeah. friends from another place. Yeah, that's, that's great. Yeah, that's great. It's enough Satan for one day. That's <laughs> <laughs> enough Satan for one day. I'm going to start seeing him behind every bush. <laughs> no, thanks, Kevin. It's really, yeah, not a fun per se or pleasant. Not lighthearted not chapter. Lighthearted. You keep coming out with better words than me, which is why you wrote, why you wrote this book. <laughs> well, I mean, in, in some ways, I, I find it actually encouraging because it's um, there's a there's a beautiful simplicity to it. I mean, getting to writing the wrongs is a, a much different story, but yeah, yeah, um, yeah. to see, uh, I mean, it's cause for introspection. I, I mean, a little bit. So, you're yeah, this first act of obedience means you're you're renouncing evil. Well, I mean, I don't have to go very far to find that in my own life or even in my own house. Right. right? So, um, yeah. So in some ways it's, it's a beautiful move, I think to, to, to seek that out, not behind every bush, but to, um, to find it. Continue to renounce it. Continue to renounce it. Yeah. I think that's great, Aaron. And part of it is, uh, us really truly living our baptismal identity this is an ingredient we can skip, but to our detriment and to the mm. detriment of our own families and people around in our neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it's it's wise what you said. Well, I appreciate that you've not you've not allowed baptism to sort of hover five feet off the ground in this book, but you've 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 helped it make it concrete. Oh, that's great! Us. And in fact, where we're going next time is continuing to make it more concrete. Uh, so as we look at particular, a particular way in this case. So next time, we're going to be looking at Chapter 7 about identity politics and what our baptism means for that. <laughs> should be interesting. Should be interesting. <laughs> that could be interesting. Hey, Matt, I think we should close with the renouncing again. Do you have that handy? Always. Now. <laughs> <clears throat> Listeners, do you renounce the devil and all his works? 
the vain pomp and glory of the world, and all sinful lusts of the flesh. Aaron, coming back to you. How, I, do you? The answer I do is yes. Yeah. The There's one answer. <laughs> oh, good place to end. It, isn't I, that right? I think I've learned uh, over the course of this conversation that the answer is yes, I do renounce. Yeah, right. That's good. And uh, for all the corruptness of the Godfather f- movies, right, that idea that you can renounce them for a child is pretty interesting. Yeah. It's like the, the early church still thought, you still need to do this. Someone needs to do this, and then mm. someone needs to train you in those ways, right? Yeah. That's yeah, just yeah, kind of yeah. interesting. Yeah. Listeners, thanks for, uh, for joining us in renouncing. We hope that you uh, join us in the renouncing anyway. Keep reading. Keep reading. Uh, Matt just gave you uh, your homework assignment for next right. time. Uh, but don't skip any chapters. Read it through. It's really, really good. Uh, so until next time... Listeners, I'm Aaron. I'm Matt. I'm Kevin. Thanks for being curious with us.